0: Welcome to the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast. I'm John Williamson, host of the podcast and founder of K-12 Food Rescue, a national organization founded in 2007, committed to empowering citizens to lead the food is not trash movement in their local school districts. Today I'm joined by Hannah Juan mcgagan K-12 Food Rescue's former National Director of Student Leadership. Hannah's a junior at the University of North Carolina, a world traveler, an all-around amazing person. So Hannah, welcome to the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast.
1: Good morning, John. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, it's going to be such an exciting conversation today because I know we can just kind of throw out the script and tell the story about how you came across K-12 Food Rescue and what has transpired since. Uh, so before we get to that and go down that road, why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your background?
1: Yes, of course. So as you said, I'm a junior at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Um, I'm currently majoring in photojournalism and food studies. And for the past six months, I've been abroad. Um, In the summer of 2019, I was abroad in Rome, Italy, taking food studies related courses. Um, Mm. And then in the fall, I was abroad with semester at sea. So I was living on a ship for four months while traveling to 11 countries while also taking classes on the ship. So it's been a very interesting past few months. um, But that is just a little bit about me.
0: Yeah. So everyone raise your hand if you've ever lived six months on a ship, right? Other than our military (laughs) folks. So (laughs) Yes, it was a
1: great experience.
0: So let's take everyone back to uh, how you ever got interested in the subject of food waste way, b- way back when you were in high school. That seems like it was just yesterday.
1: I know. It was such a long time. Um, it's The story of how I got into food waste is just a culmination of small events that kind of all came together one day. Um, it started in the first step started in sophomore year of high school. And my civics and economics teacher, Martha Dice, gave us this assignment to write a letter to either local government or federal government about some kind of topic that we're um, passionate about. So I came across, um, I was working with the food and I was looking at HAC and the policies there. And so I wrote to Michelle Obama never got a letter back, unfortunately, (laughs) but that was my first introduction to just in general food and food policy. Um, And then one day I was coming up with a list of ideas um, for different organizations I was working with to work on some projects. And I was listing ideas and I came to the realization, you know, I like went into the cafeteria and thought about what we could do in there and one and just realized that a lot of food was always left behind. So I initially was actually looking at milk cartons and Mm -hmm. I wondered if we could collect the milk cartons, maybe spill out the milks and recycle the milk cartons. And that was my idea. And then as I was continuing down that train of thought, I thought about all the food that was always left over specifically. And so then came up with the idea to collect any leftover food items and potentially donate them. And, did some research because I assumed that something like that existed. It just seemed like such a common sense thing. Um, came to find out that nothing of that nature existed in North Carolina. And that's kind of how the whole journey began.
0: So that was that was your sophomore year, right? Or was, it your junior, or was it your junior year?
1: That was so I came up with the idea of my sophomore year of okay. high school and then actually got to get things rolling my junior year.
0: So our story at Food Rescue began, obviously, with connecting restaurants with food re- with uh, food pantries, and then we moved on to schools. And we had a chapter president uh, in North Carolina there whose name was Mike Cookman. Uh, do you remember how you connected with Mike?
1: I remember exactly how I connected with Mike. Uh, it was that same night that I was talking about where I was coming up with the ideas and did the research, found nothing related to schools and food donations, but I did find out about food recovery, Um, That was being led by Mike. So I emailed Mike and asked him, you know, are you interested in potentially partnering with the school where y'all would pick up the donated food from the school and distribute it out to the different organizations they were working with and partnering with. And immediately, I believe the next day or a few days after, Mike emailed back and was like, this is absolutely amazing. Like, we would definitely love something of this nature. Um, Here is Food Rescue, this large organization that we're with if you want to talk to John who has experience in helping schools and students develop food rescue specific programs. And so then I emailed John and that's, that's kind of how it all started. That's how I got in contact with you.
0: Very cool. So we, we started emailing each other and you started telling about some of the hurdles you were having. And um, gosh, you did so many things after that. You had a Ted talk, you talked to the school board, you've had media coverage, (laughs) kind of tell everybody how, you know, just just kind of a general overview, you know, okay, you take this passion, you learn about it, you write a letter, you, and then you really got to implement, it, you Mm -hmm. know, so what's, what kind of happened from there?
1: It was, like you explained it, it was definitely a whirlwind. Um, I remember emailing you and you sent me a lot of resources. And then I, that summer leading into my junior year uh, was a lot of meetings with Community members um, and leaders, and the local health department, and different people who were, had invested um, interests in the project. And then, I mean, there was a, like writing up a contract and a memorandum, yeah. all these things uh, that I did not expect to become an expert in, but I did so at the time. Um, and then, what happened after that is we launched the program in my junior year, um, and it was very much a success. It, it, it had some obstacles in the beginning just because the idea of, of uh, it was such a new concept for a lot of students to right. uh, um, implement that next step into their cafeteria eating routines. So it was a lot about making it socially acceptable to donate your food and also more importantly socially acceptable to be able to reach into the um, bin to get more snacks or foods if they wanted to. And I had a lot of my friends get involved. Um, they would like go in and get some food or donate. And so once people saw other people doing it, it just kind of went from there. And next thing you know, it was just very popular. And people were, I mean, it, it just became a part of everyone's daily routine. Um, and it was completely student led, which I was very proud of. That was one thing that Mrs. Dice, who I talked about before um, in my my civics and economics teacher, she emphasized She was like, we don't want to add an extra burden to employees at the school. So everything was student run. There was moving pieces. We had one person every day uh, who would fill up the ice with the bin. There was an organization or a group of students in classes that would pick it up during breakfast and take it to the fridge. Then there was a group that would do it at lunch. And then at the end of the day, every day, I would empty out the bin and I would double check the numbers and all the information in the fridge. Um, So it all worked really well and we were donating to uh, the library across the street from us, and people mm. were always interested as to why we chose a library, and it actually worked out really great because uh, that, li- that specific library was where a lot of students from a lot of different schools would go to, and oftentimes a lot of students would stay there for hours waiting for their parents to get out of work because it would just make sense for them to wait there at the library instead of paying for a bus ticket or a bus pass or walking home. So a lot of times what happened is that students would be there for hours and they wouldn't have anything to eat. And the librarians would actually pay out of pocket um, and also use library funds to provide snacks. But that year that we started the program, they lost some funding to um, be able to purchase snacks for people. And so mm. we were able to come in and provide these healthy options for students to eat and initially, students were hesitant because they were like, oh, like, this is just school like school food snacks. Um, but then it was really great to hear from the librarian who was helping and partnering with us say that it became a thing where people would excitedly come in, see what snacks are being offered, they would trade with each other, and they were very excited about the options that we're getting. So I think it was a very worthwhile partnership, and it kind of fed into the whole cycle of making sure that we are helping out the community, and it was specifically our smaller community of students. Which I was very
0: so proud of. So it's like a win, definitely a win-win on both both sides. Um,
1: Absolutely.
0: So, so I think about you being a junior now and all the things that you've experienced, and then I look back at, um, you know, and this isn't this isn't is not often talked about with food rescue opportunity for kids and students. Can you talk about just the public speaking opportunities that you had through this, and just the interaction that you had moving a program from start to finish? and how that maybe benefited you, you know, as you moved on to uh, Chapel Hill, uh, into college.
1: Yeah, that's a really great point. That's something I'm very grateful for. Um, I just, as you would mentioned, I had the opportunity to do a TED Talk and I think that was, I can't remember the order, it's been so long, but I think the TED Talk came first. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was actually Mrs. Dice again, who very critical person in this whole operation. Um, the person who's motivating me from behind, as well as my principal Rick Parker at East Mech. But uh, she was like, You have to do a talk, you're gonna do a talk. And I was like, I'm (laughs) sorry, what? (laughs) And she's like, Yeah, you're gonna do the talk. And I was like, Okay, sure. Um, and so I mean, those are probably like the scariest 10 minutes of my entire life. But that's where we really got to share the whole story, and also I don't know if I've ever told you the story, John, but one person who I spoke to at the talk uh, who I was having lunch with, who was just there, a community member, she actually ended up being my summer internship boss the summer that I graduated leading into college. Oh, so even I did just, know that. Yeah, even just her name was Candice, um, and she remembered me when they were looking through applications. application. She was like, wait, I remember her from doing the TED Talk. I was there. I got to talk to her. So even just like that opportunity to, you know, go along a different path and interest uh, that stemmed from that opportunity as well. But the Ted talk really blew up. And um, I, I don't remember being on stage. I just completely blanked <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, looking at it embarrasses me, but I, I mean, in high, like it was great. It was a really great experience. And then I had the opportunity to, speak in front of the school every time whenever I'd introduce a project or remind people at the beginning of the school year, this is how it works. I had the opportunity to speak in front of the school board, which was also televised to I don't know how many people. And that was also a really great experience. So all of these experiences, as well as the media opportunities and the interviews, it really taught me um, how to be vocal about what I was passionate Mm -hmm. about and how to reach people, um, which as a journalist, which I like my major is currently is just such an important element and aspect of the work that I do. And also just like specifically within the realm of photojournalism, you just have to be able to connect with different people to allow them to trust you to let them into their lives. And so having had that experience to talking to so many different audiences and being thrust in on different scenes, really helped uh, shape the way that I interact with people now and the way that I do my work now. So it was definitely a really great experience. Uh, and once I also led into college, there's a lot of presentations you have to do in front of your classes. Right. And there's a lot of different opportunities that you, that you can do. I presented um, a paper that I was working on related to food and food, school food waste. And so all of these opportunities just really made me a more confident speaker. Um And that's something that I'm really grateful for. That I think all those experiences I had in high school through Food Rescue and this per the program that we ran and everything just like
0: helped out with a lot. Because you never struck me as a person who lacked (laughs) confidence, but at the same time, you think about the things that you've done since you've been uh, at the University of North Carolina. It takes it takes a little confidence to go away from home for that long on a ship and travel new places and so it's been fun to watch your photos and just your experience that you've been posting on ig and just different places <laughs> so anyway so you had this you know this amazing experience where you know you're feeding children and families in need you're protecting the environment you're getting all this great experience and then something really crazy happened that was really completely unexpected why don't you share with our audience kind of what uh what uh, what happened
1: Yeah. So I at the end of junior year and in that summer leading up to my senior year of high school, we we had gained so much traction. we would gotten a lot of media attention. I had a lot of emails from parents, from principals, from students who were very interested in starting the program at their school. Um, And I had developed a guide one day for to help other students be able to follow that not not just in North Carolina but other students in general yeah. to be able to follow how to create a program just because I like remembered the struggles that I had with starting something from scratch um and so a lot of people were following that preparing we had a couple of schools lined up to launch uh that's that following school year and things were kind of slow to get other schools to start and I didn't really understand why or what was happening but Eventually, the beginning of 2017, which was the final semester of my senior year, uh, one day I get called to the principal's office. And my principal, Mr. Parker, had been very, like, invested in this project. And he was always yes. very, like, knew what was happening and was very excited about things. And so uh, he called me to his office because he was like, we need to have a conversation with our um, uh, I forget the name food, food director of yeah, our, food service director. Cool. Yeah. Yes. Food service director. service director. And, um, that was when we were handed this memo that basically was saying that we weren't allowed to collect any foods that were time and temperature controlled. And basically what that means is that anything that has been in the refrigerator at some point and is then taken out of the refrigerator and given to students cannot be donated or partisi- partaking in the share table program or the food rescue program that we had. And my my mother's actually a food cafeteria worker, and she knows and I know because I grew up in the back of the cafeteria, and also I knew with our school specifically, basically everything in a school cafeteria is put in the refrigerator, it, whether yeah. it's like a banana, the cookies are put in there, everything is put in the refrigerator. So this basically meant we weren't allowed to collect anything anymore. And North Carolina is unique in that it is very, very strict on food um, safety and food health is what they say. And so once we were handed that memo, basically it was saying you need to shut the program down. Uh, mm. And that was absolutely devastating to hear, especially because... Not only the entire work and everything that we put behind it, but knowing the personal impact that this had on people's lives, I mean, I talked about this in my TED talk, but it was an opportunity for students who may not be getting as much food at home to be able to eat more during lunch and it be socially acceptable. Like no one was going to look at you differently for getting an, another snack or another meal from the from the bin. Right. It was also an opportunity for people who maybe don't want to eat as much as lunch to be able to donate it to others and also just take that knowledge with them back home and think, make them think differently about the food that they were eating and consuming and how much they wasted or didn't waste. And, I mean, and then also looking at the library it was an opportunity for people to have a healthy option and alternative as they studied after school for a couple of hours until they were able to go home with their parents. There are just so many moving parts. And that really came to light one day when I was returning the bin to uh, one of my teachers who had let me borrowed uh, this cooler. I when I, I keep referencing the bin, but I mean the cooler. And right, right. I remember a student asking, cause it's a very, like the cooler had been filled with um, on the outside with photo, with the pictures that I'd drawn or drawings that I'd drawn of what you could donate, what you couldn't. So it was a very recognizable cooler. And as I was taking it back, one student asked me, they're like, wait, what are you doing? And then I explained that we weren't able to run the program anymore. And she, and I vividly remember like this to this day, the way she said it, but she was like, but that's where I get my food from. And mm, that just, yeah, from the cooler. And that just like broke my heart because again, like, yes, I put in so much work behind everything. but That's not what I was thinking about. I was thinking about the people who were no longer able to benefit from it. So unfortunately we were told to shut down the program Um the schools that were lined up were no longer able to continue forward. And we had to tell them make an announcement a lot of times, actually, because people continue to keep putting food on the tables um, to donate. Because at that point, it had been running for a while for a couple of months, and a lot of people were just used to it. Um, so that was a very dark period, and it was very hard to argue against it for so many reasons. Um, one of them being, it was my senior year. I was in the International yeah. Baccalaureate Program. And so we have basically like one month or two months of testing. So mm. I was also like applying to colleges and hearing back and making that decision. There was just so many things happening at that time um, that it was just a, we just had to do what they told us.
0: So obviously, out of great disappointments um, and pain can sometimes <laughs> lead to A different opportunity right Mm -hmm. so you know you move from uh a goal of trying to get all these schools and this because i remember you telling me you know that was when you were 16 it was just uh i want every school in north carolina to do this yeah you know and we're just going to introduce this program and that was going to be the way it was going to happen but uh you you actually have an opportunity to now because of your story uh to influence policy in north carolina um, and sometimes policy change can actually lead to all those, th- those things in, in ways that people, uh, you wouldn't always expect. Mm-hmm. Um, I know from Food Rescue's point of view, you know our work that we did on uh, with the Indiana Department of Health and the Indiana Department of Education, it's probably our greatest accomplishment um, as far as the impact that it had on the nation because the USDA then followed suit and put out guidelines. Um, so tell everybody a little bit about what you have done Um, connecting with others in North Carolina to to kind of fight this policy?
1: Yeah, so um, before I made that recognition and realization that policy was probably going to be the most effective move, um, there was actually a small social media movement that was unintentionally launched. I came out of a joke that kind of continued to spread the program and spread the word around about food waste, school food waste specifically. Um, It started I believe, I know during my senior year, someone just made the joke of hashtag no food waste. And then that just kind of caught on. And I was known as the hashtag no food waste girl. Uh, (laughs) I was literally the person people wouldn't want to sit next to at lunch because the moment I sat, they'd be like, oh no, she's here. We have to eat our food. (laughs) And (laughs) so that just kind of became a part of my, my personality. Um, But as a joke, people would just start sending like, Once we graduated and we went into our first years of college, so everyone was spread out all over the world, people would send me photos of like, hey, like I noticed that we have a food recovery network program here at my school and I'm going to apply or hey, like look at this, like I finished my food or hey, I told my friend about your program and like now we're all finishing our food. And so a lot of people would send me photos of their finished food. And then that just became a thing where I was like, all right, like I did an all call and it was like, hey, everyone just send me a photo of you with your like finished empty plate or your clean plate or a bowl or whatever you're eating and make sure to put a filter of like the location that you're at or what school you're at to show like this was a thing that happened everywhere and it just i mean people came through like they just started sending in so many photos i have hundreds of photos of people from <laughs> all over the world and It was really cool because we had exchange students in our high school from France, and so they Mm -hmm. were sending photos from France, and there were some people from Spain, and it just became a thing, and um, so that kind of launched a, like, social media hashtag no food waste movement for about a year. Um, That kind of slowly died down as well, but it was cool to have friends text me or call me and say like i've joined this program because i was inspired by this or i one person was like i'm convincing my work to be able to do no food waste or implement some some different programs so it was really beautiful to see that even though we may have been shut down in my high school just everyone who had been involved was moving forward in their own way with the knowledge that they had learned that just kind of like been pushed into their brain which i really really love um But after that movement, like you mentioned, I came to the realization, and this was another learning moment for me, that a lot of, you know, you can have the strongest grassroots movements. And at the end of the day, unfortunately, it does come down to policy for the most part in Mm, a lot of situations. And I was actually, a lot of the experiences that I had in high school motivated me to take courses related to policy. So I took a global policy um, course, and I also took a humanitarianism class and learned a lot about different movements. Um, and I was taking food classes as well and basically really learned about the, the importance of um, policy and how that at the end of the day is what you need to be influencing um, to open the doors for a lot of opportunities. So I got involved in specifically with uh, food waste policy when um jared cates of carolina farm stewardship i believe you connected me with him yes Um, yes yeah yeah. he emailed me and he is a community mobilizer so he does a really really great job of connecting everyone with a vested interest or who wants to participate in some issue to come together and really mobilize everybody to be able to move forward together and so uh we met up um and i basically shared my story and he was like this is amazing because we've Uh, been working on food policy and this is like a great opportunity because stories just have so much power and to be able to add a story um this is going to be great and so for the past I believe we met oh I can't remember I think it was maybe my sophomore year of of college potentially the end of my first year I can't the the years have gone they're all mixed together (laughs) but um We met up and he basically connected me to a lot of groups. And to this day, there's actually a meeting later today. Um, people have been meeting and there are different people, like I mentioned, who have different interests and they've been moving forward and working on policy work. Um, and as I've been getting deeper into my studies and especially more focused in the journalism route that I'm going down, I haven't been able to do as much work. And so I, I tune into some meetings and um, share my story with new people. But Uh, they've been mobilizing a lot of the work and policy and that's been really great to witness and to watch and to see that happen and it's definitely a slower more uphill battle Uh, yes it's it's definitely oftentimes frustrating especially seeing how much we got done quickly with the grassroots movement in high school to not really seeing a lot of uh, outcomes with the route that we're going with right now but it's at the end of the day it's it's really important to just push that needle a little forward
0: yes. and
1: uh, it's a slow battle but we're hoping that at the end it will it will come through so it's also just been I guess a learning lesson in life in general um, and it's just something that we're continuing to see pan out and uh, to this day, I still get emails from some people from my uh, school, county, mm-hmm. asking, you know, like, I've noticed that this program has started, but then it ended, like, can you help me restart it? And then it's always right. very, very heartbreaking <laughs> to say, I really, really want to help you, but, like, they they will stop you. Um, and right. And we're just going around a slower route, which, as a 16-year-old, I definitely remember the frustration of being told, like, You can't do something and this is going to take a lot of time. So that's something I learned with time was patience. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's completely understandable. I completely understand how people are frustrated and saying, well, I don't want to wait. Like, I want to start something now. Um, Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe we can find a balance. Maybe there's a new route that we can take. But that's kind of where we are right now.
0: So we need to be taking those students. Like, let's just say we have some uh, maybe even junior high or high school listeners that will be coming to hear this podcast. Um, and set them down the policy road rather than just setting up the, the program within their school, which is not really being allowed right now very much in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you get it? How do we get kids involved in developing policy and contacting people that are in these decision maker uh, roles within the North Carolina right. Department of Health um, and Department of Education or whatever it takes? Um, could you kind of explain when you look, when you look back on it? do you have any doubt that the experience that you had gives you a unique voice in this subject um, that you'll always have the rest of your life?
1: Oh, absolutely. It's the experience in the years that we had and that um, I had specifically with food rescue and the program that we ran and just how we started it. And even the experiences I've had in college since, which, I mean, I wasn't expecting to be a food studies major, and then mm-hmm. I go to Rome to study food and food waste. And I got to talk to people who have started food waste programs in Italy, which food food waste in Europe is just treated so differently than here in the States. And uh, France and Italy are one of the leading countries in working with food. Um, I got to hang out with uh, food-related um, people in college. And it's been really cool to hear them talk. I One of my highlights in my first year believe it was my first year uh, of college was meeting with jonathan bloom um author of american wasteland and that was really cool to just sit and talk with him um about food and so i like as as much as there hasn't been an outcome i've learned so much and have been able to gain so much and um one thing that you know i'm very grateful for is those experiences that i've had because they've definitely shaped who i am today and uh i I just you made you made a really great point about um, involving students in policy, which I think is, in general, there seems to be a wave of a lot of younger students involved in middle school and high school just moving towards policy because there's that recognition yeah. that at the end of the day, it's our policy members who have all that power that they probably shouldn't have. Um and so it's it's been great to see different movements arise out of middle schools and high schools. Um, and I, I mean, I'm very excited for the future and seeing how a lot of students, um, will move forward with this food waste program, but that going back to your question, the unique experience that I had and being able to launch one of the first programs in North Carolina, um, and being able to talk on different platforms has definitely shaped who I am today. And it's, it's kind of, I mean, I get random emails and calls from people asking to have my opinion on conversations and Mm -hmm. um, to speak on this or to comment on this because my story is the one that's the most well-known. And, um, and it's, it's very, uh, it it, it leads to a lot of interesting conversations and connections with different people. And so those are relationships and um, conversations that I value a lot. And it, it all just came down through a lot of the experiences that I had.
0: Well, I know this, that someday that football is going to cross the goal line and you're going to get a chance to spike it um, (laughs) (laughs) because, you know, change does not always happen overnight, but it comes from people being persistent and uh, sharing their unique story like you have. So I appreciate you spending time with us today on the podcast. And I would love for if you were able to just connect with if anybody wanted to connect with you, particularly in North Carolina, as people click on this from this area. Um, would you be willing to give your contact information on how somebody could contact you if they wanted to uh, reach out to you? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, I'm available through email. uh, H A N N A W O N 72 at gmail.com. Can also find me on my photo Instagram, which I'm very active on, which is at H A N N A W O N photo. Um, But feel free to email anytime Um, we have, unfortunately a lot more time than we expected now given everything that's <laughs> yeah. been happening now, but yeah. uh, I'm available to ask questions and maybe help mobilize or help guide people to creating those groups um, in high schools and middle schools to move forward and and move with uh, policy action. So feel free to contact. I'm available as much as I can be for
0: this. All right. Well, thanks so much for, uh, kind of revisiting the story with uh, with everyone today. It was a pleasure to do it with you. Uh, if you want to contact Hannah also, you can go to foodrescue.net and click contact and we can connect you with her directly um, as well. So enjoy the rest of your day. I'm so proud of what you've accomplished and I look forward to watching what you do in the future.
1: Thank you so much, John. Have a great day.
0: You too. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.